Adventures in Teaching. Stories of creativity, relationships, excitement, and suspense from the university and K-12 classroom. Brought to you by KELT, the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at Thompson Rivers University. This series of podcasts is about teaching stories, adventure stories, told by educators from K-12 and the university level. Most of the stories will be told through an interview format with educators who have been in the profession for a few years or many years, but this first podcast, Adventures in Music, are my stories. Some of the things that I've done in my career as a music educator in the K-12 system and as a graduate instructor at the university level. So here are some of my teaching adventures. Sing the enchanted wall of the fountain, la 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 la. Sing the enchanted wall of the fountain, la 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 What do I mean by adventure? I mean, adventure is usually something that we think is pretty exciting. Um, there might be an element of fear or concern about it because there's maybe a little bit of risk involved. You know, so if you hear about people doing adventure tourism, they might be going off and doing some rock climbing or kayaking or um, something that might have a little bit of physical risk to it. But it's something that people want to do. So obviously the, the fear and the risk associated with that adventure is actually something that people desire and it's exciting. Uh, there's, a, there's an author... Michael Apter, who wrote a book called The Dangerous Edge, and he suggests that, as as do other psychologists, that the difference between excitement and fear is just your own psychological perception of safety. So if you feel safe that you're not going to hurt yourself, you're not going to have some dire consequence for doing something, you're going to be excited. But if you don't feel safe and you feel like you could have a dire consequence, well, then you're going to experience fear. Teaching, therefore... And having an adventure teaching implies that there's going to be some excitement, there's some risk involved, and quite often that risk when we're talking about teaching is is social risk because we're afraid that students or parents of students or colleagues are going to look at our teaching activities and think that they're silly or inadequate or poorly done. So if the risk associated with teaching is social risk, uh, what's the what's the payoff? What's the positive thing that that that's the exciting part? If you feel like you're if you can feel like you're in a safe environment to do your teaching, therefore you won't have fear about risk. But what is the excitement about? Well, the excitement is about getting feedback from students that they're actually learning something. I think that's what most teachers would would say. However, maybe that's not quite true. Um, That's the purpose of this podcast, is to explore stories about teaching where there is a sense of adventure, there is a sense of excitement. So what are some examples? It's all about stories. What are my stories? Well, my first teaching job was in a small rural community in the middle of nowhere, British Columbia, and the community itself only had about 1,000 people. The school had 120 kids from grades 8 to 12, and I was the music teacher, and I was the the only trained, formerly trained musician in within hundreds and hundreds of miles because there were there just weren't other people around. And I think because of that, I felt safe. There was no one to compare me to. 
Um, they were really happy that I had, I had chosen to go there. So um, there was very little actual risk involved um, where I felt safe taking risks. And it's interesting, when I look back on my, my teaching years, I realized that my most creative and in some ways most exciting um, teaching times were in that small rural community. So what did I do? What did I risk? Well, uh, basically, I tried everything. I wanted to do everything. Maybe it was because I was a new teacher, but I wanted to try everything in this community. So we started with a band. We had uh, 20 kids in the band, and it was just your, your standard concert band playing the standard literature. Of course, with only 20, I had to adjust the music we played to make sure that all the parts were covered. But we, we did that. Um, and then I realized that, you know, we really need to, I want to do something more. I want to do something fun uh, beyond that. So this community had a parade. Every June they had a parade, uh, just a small one, you know, and you can imagine a small town of a thousand people in the parade. And the, I mean, the parade's only going to take about five minutes to go past you. And it's going to involve, you know, the uh, the ambassador's pageant participants riding in the backs of cars, um, and a couple of floats and, you know, maybe a few people throwing out candy and that's about it. So we thought, okay, let's have a marching band. So we took our 20 kids, we made up a banner and got a couple of flags that were just sitting in the gym on the stage. And that was our marching band. And uh, we had a great time. Students loved it. The community went nuts because they had their own marching band um, for their parade. Uh, and for me, it was just a lot of fun. Was there a risk involved in that? Well, yeah, it could have. people could have laughed at it because it was so small, but in fact, people loved it. Another risky thing that happened was my first teaching evaluation. So the principal came to my classroom to observe my teaching, and then the day he came was a day I decided that I really needed to incorporate some music history into this music class with 20 students of uh, from small town British Columbia, so I decided, okay, we're gonna do, we're gonna talk about opera. One of the challenges, social risks that I've taken over the years as a music teacher, is always been to try to see if I can do anything to introduce opera to students, because opera is something that everybody loves to hate, or everyone has preconceived ideas about what opera is all about, and it's usually based on Wagner, and it's usually based on Bugs Bunny. As a new teacher, I didn't have a lot of resources, but I did have the score and recording of Mozart's Don Giovanni. I took the opening scene from the opera where there's a whole bunch of stuff happening. The characters are introduced, the comic character Leporello's introduced, um, the commandant comes on the scene. There's a, there's a big fight between the commandant and Don Giovanni. There's a sword fight. And there's three people singing all at once uh, in the intensity of this moment. And there's comedy and tragedy happening at the same time with this, with this fight. And so what I decided, I would, I would share this with the students. Talked about the social placement of opera in history and how it was done through patronage, and uh, it basically was an art form of the rich people. 
And I also talked about what the different formats are and that you can have solos, you can have arias, you can have choruses, you can have recitatives where the plot moves along, and you can have really intense moments where you have trios and quartets where there's multiple things going on at the same time. Then I I played the recording of the opera happening, of course, in Italian, but in order for the students to understand it, I acted it out and said the words of what the characters were essentially saying made up on the spot um, by myself in English. So I looked pretty crazy. I looked like this person who was jumping around the stage being three, four different characters um, and singing all their different parts, and they thought it was hilarious. The principal, who was observing me do this, also thought it was hilarious, and he actually fell down laughing. He thought it was, he, he thought it was so funny. And, but, and he was a guy who really was on the side that would really not ever listen to opera. But he learned something about it, and he actually enjoyed what he learned about it. It was a risk for me. It was a lesson that I had so much fun doing. I did it in, in further years, uh, and I really got a lot out of it. And the students, although they may not have loved opera, they got the idea. When I think about other teachers teaching in front of a class, and they're not performing in front of an audience, they're just standing in front of a class or with a class doing some lessons, that is still a form of public performance. The teacher is front and center for a lot of the time, depending on your teaching style, and the students may like it or not like it. And I know a lot of teachers, including myself, that come the end of summer start having bad dreams about school. And for me, those bad dreams are quite often that the students just won't listen. They won't stop talking. They won't pay attention. And I know there's lots of other teachers have that same fear. Please listen to me. The safety net in that case really is your relationship with the students. If you've got a strong relationship with students and you have some basic strategies in terms of of managing classroom dynamics, uh, then you've got a safety net. The fear of the social risk is really what pushes us to prepare. As with musicians, if you're fearful that you're going to have a lousy performance because you didn't prepare well, you don't know your music, that's incentive to practice and to prepare yourself. Well, the same thing I think goes for teaching. And and in the summertime, bad dreams, if those bad dreams about the students not being attentive or not paying attention to you, that is incentive for you not only to prepare your classes, your lessons well, but it's also to prepare your class. So when you come into the first couple classes in September, you talk about um, classroom dynamics and you talk about the structures and routines you're going to have so that it is a, a safe place for students to participate as well as for the teacher. But it's also time to build relationships, build relationships with the students so that they're positive and therefore that is your other social safety net. Is that If you do make a mistake or you do something that's not perfect, well, then you've got a strong relationship with the students, so it's a safety net. It's not going to be the end of the world if something negative happens. But besides a straight performance part of teaching and the adventure part of, of the social risk, adventure also usually means you're, you're going somewhere new or you're doing something new with your skills. So I think with a lot of teachers, that as well 
creates a lot of excitement. And that what makes teaching an adventure is when you try something new, we're going to go to a different place. We're going to try looking at uh, some topics in a different way. An adventure I had recently with one of my graduate classes was having a project as a culminative activity at the end of the course so that during the, the length of the course, students worked on several pieces of a larger presentation in groups. And at the end of the course, that presentation was given to an outside audience. Now, the particular course was called Educational Management, and there was various aspects of school management, including finances, human resources, strategic planning, mission statements, vision setting, all those kinds of things. And the student's project was to come up with their own school that had uh, elements of all these things that they were going to pre present to a group of investors who were going to invest in this private school. So I had a couple of colleagues come in and be the dragon's den, so to speak, of investors that would listen to each of the presentations and they would provide feedback. Well, the students took this very seriously and they really enjoyed it. They, the uh, dragon's den people also really enjoyed it. Now for me, this was a risk because I was not only um, taking a risk in terms of whether the students would learn what they would need to learn or whether they would buy into this project, but I was also taking a risk by bringing my colleagues in to see the final works that the students have put together. It was worth it. I had good relationships with both the students and my colleagues, and the whole thing went really well, and I'm very proud of it, and I really felt like that was an adventure, and it's an adventure I want to repeat. Adventure means that you have a set of skills to do something, whether it's rock climbing or kayaking or teaching certain concepts in your subject area. But there's an element of adventure that is going off into something that you don't know, some in, into some unknown place using those skills. One of those adventures that I tried with my music groups when I taught high school was to take them on a trip. Now, that means physically going to somewhere new. That's a new location, a new destination. My goal was to give them an opportunity to have what a real musician's road trip is. So not just a vacation where we would go sightseeing and do a couple of performances and maybe go to a workshop, but actually a musician's road trip where you play, 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 pack up, play, pack up, play, so forth. It was an interesting trip because there was a, a real learning happen partway for me in terms of just organizing a trip, but for everybody in terms of what do you do when something negative happens on a road trip. So we had a performance in the morning um, in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. I had not calculated the time it takes to get from one location to another. So we finished up the concert at Nanaimo at about, I don't know, 11 o'clock. We drove up to Courtney where our next concert was going to be, and the plan was to stop at McDonald's on the way. Unfortunately, by the time we got to Courtney, um, to the McDonald's, and we actually, the buses stopped at the McDonald's, I looked at our, my watch and I realized, oh my goodness, we've got 45 minutes before the next performance actually starts. We can't stop to eat. We have to go straight to the performance. So after taking two busloads of teenagers at lunchtime, having not having eaten all morning, from the McDonald's parking lot, into the school and setting up and performing. It was a real learning for all of us. I mean, I was a little embarrassed. The students were a little ticked off, but they knew that they had to perform even though they were starving. 
And they did. They did really well. It was a learning for all of us. Do we want to repeat it? Not necessarily, but it's a great story to tell now. All things invite us now to My career as an educator really has been an adventure, and I've had a lot of fun as a result of it. That's why I chose to go into teaching, because I really enjoyed that excitement that happened when students were learning and when we were interacting together and we were talking about, in my case, music, we were talking about our subject area with some real interest and going different places and trying different things and doing it with that sense of of excitement. Let's try something new. Let's use our skills to do it. That's our safety net. Our safety net is also a social contract within your class. So, yeah, there was huge, huge payback. Hugely exciting for me. music featured in this podcast were Sing We Enchant It by the Westside Secondary Concert Choir from 1989. Sorry for making you miss lunch, you guys. Maple Leaf Forever from the best of the band of the Irish Guards. Cosi Fan Tutti Com Scolio from an opera evening by the MIT Symphony Orchestra. And excerpts from Act 1, Scene 1 of Don Giovanni by Carlo Maria Giolini and the Philharmonia Orchestra Chorus and Soloists. The opinions in these podcasts are expressly those of the individuals and do not represent those of the university. This has been Adventures in Teaching. Brought to you by CELT, the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at Thompson Rivers University.